Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. resilient listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the show. Before we dive into the super cool interview today, we wanted to welcome you to this special series of the Brilliantly Resilient Summer of Reading. We have had so many amazing guests on who are brilliant authors and who share their wisdom with you through their written words. And we wanted to find a way to promote them and give you some really awesome stuff to read. So we are doing the Summer of Reading giveaways. Woo! <laughs> if you head on over to brilliantlyresilient.net, you can get the sign up for the download. If you head over to Instagram, we're doing a whole big Insta promotion there. Every week we will be giving away one of the books. And this whole summer, we will be bringing these authors back to you to hear what their books are about and what they've been up to. You're going to love this list. I mean, we were blown away putting it together. We've got New York Times bestsellers, Wall Street Journal list toppers, the biggest awards in the different industries, those winners. Who knew? We know some brilliant people. And now you get to know them too and read their books. So like Mary Fran said, head on over to brilliantlyresilient.net, get the list and go to Instagram, follow at brilliantlyresilient. We'll see you all summer long. Hey everybody, welcome to another special summer episode where we are featuring our favorite authors here at Brilliantly Resilient doing a big book giveaway and, and promoting the summer of resilient reading. And today we have one of our all-time favorite guests and authors, my buddy, David Fagenbaum. I'm so happy to see you again. Kristen, it is so good to see you. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh my goodness, the stuff that you've been doing. Holy smokes. We're going to have to we'll unpack some of it, but we really want to dive into, into the book and, and every, every place that it's gone. I mean, it, it just took the world by storm. You guys were talking about Chasing My Cure. Uh, David's story of what's the tagline? A doctor's race to turn hope into action. I love that part. I love oh, that part. So, you. what's been going on? It's been busy. In fact, it's so busy that, as you know, I uh, forgot that we were recording this morning. I thought <laughs> we were just going to catch up, and so you know, I had to do a quick, uh, quick change. Um, but no, th- things are going good, and uh, it's been um, a, you know busy uh, last year and a half. As you know, we um, redirected about half of our work in the lab at UPenn to studying COVID, and so we're still very much um, advancing research and treatment for COVID. In addition to all the Castleman's work. Wow. So there were, there's so much about this book that we both love, but I have to hit on the one thing that just, the way you encapsulated this whole idea of hope without action is the Santa Claus theory. (laughs) Tell us about the Santa Claus theory. I just love that, that analogy. It's wonderful. Sure. And I think the the embarrassing part is that I lived by the Santa Claus theory um, for so long. And so let, let me explain a little bit. So the Santa Claus theory is this idea that for every challenge, every problem that we're facing, that there must be a team of people working together diligently in a workshop to figure out the solution for that problem. You can yeah. imagine Santa's elves, exactly, working on that gift, and then they're going to deliver it to your doorstep right when you need it. Um, unfortunately, uh, as, as the three of us know very well, for, for so many problems in the world, 
there isn't a workshop working to solve that problem. And there isn't likely going to be a solution delivered to your doorstep right when you need it. And for me, I had this belief that um, for diseases like Castleman disease, which I'm personally afflicted with, for things like congenital blindness, you just have to believe, or at least I believe and assumed that there must be people out there working on these things and that all I needed to do was be very hopeful and wishful um, that these things would come to reality in time to help me and the people that I love. And, um, and then I learned really quickly from the world's expert for Castleman disease that no one knew what was going on for Castleman's and no one was working on it. There was no workshop. It was basically like hearing from Santa Claus himself, but there, 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 were, there were no elves. The elves are on strike. There's <laughs> the, no elves, the elves are on strike. And, and for me, that was a huge turning point. I was a medical student at the time and, and I just really believed that there must be you know, solutions or if not solutions, work happening for everything. And then realized that if I, if I was gonna hope for a cure and hope for a solution, I would need to turn my hope into action. Well, you know, that that really goes across the gamut of everybody that's that's been hit by a sucker punch in life. Yes. It's not even just a diagnosis. It's, you know, we just came off of doing a thrive through divorce challenge. And mm -hmm. so many of us sit there going, well, someone's going to come along and, and fix this or save yep. this. And, and you do have to just buck up and do it yourself. But I'll bet you you found the same thing, David. Once you do that and you make that decision and take the first step of action, all of a sudden the universe says, oh, all right, I see what you need here. And they start, yes. and people just drop into your journey. You're totally right. Um, and, and it's funny because, you know, my, my book's called Chasing My Cure, which kind of gives this sense that it was like my work chasing my cure. But you're exactly right. Once I decided to start chasing my cure, that's when just dozens of people came out, as you said, to say, like, I want to be a part of this. And so it, it wasn't me chasing my cure, but it was me making a decision to chase my cure and then embracing dozens and dozens of people who said, I'm going to be a part of this. Yeah. So I think the, the idea is, and clearly this is your message, that, that hope has to inspire action. And the interesting thing is that when we take those actions, it increases the hope. Yes. Because, you know, it's, it's this beautiful, you know, circle that just keeps going around that when you do take an action and you can see that, okay, something's happening here. Yes that ups the whole hope thing. So it's a, it's a beautiful, um, you know, co-joining of yeah, I agree. And actually, you know, sometimes uh, before I became ill and before I learned so many of these messages or, or these lessons, I um, sometimes the more hopeful I was about something, um, it almost would stop me from acting. So like if I believed that someone was going to figure out something like, you know, with my heart of hearts, that would actually make me less likely to act because I was just like so hopeful, like Dr. Van Ree is going to do it. In the case of my mom, as you know, passed away when I was in college and she, she had brain cancer. And I remember, you know, learning that Dr. Friedman was just the world's expert. So he's going to figure this out. He's going to take care of her. Um, and, and for me, that sort of hope actually was almost paralyzing in a way. It almost like stopped me from taking action. Um, it made me feel good. I felt really good, um, but I, I felt really good. And then I waited. Um, and then as I, as I, you know, went through my own personal battles and I, and I became hopeful about, um, about progress and about, you know, maybe, maybe one day um, having a treatment that could save my life. That's when I started taking action. And to your point, that made me more hopeful. And there was this beautiful circuit that occurred, hope, action, the more action you take, the more progress, the more hopeful you can be. Yeah. So hope should inspire action, not waiting. Yes, exactly. Wow. 
Oh, look at that statement right there. I like that little brilliance bit. You can use that. Right. You can use that. I'll give that. I'll, I'll quote you. I'll quote. Yeah, you can use that. You can That'll use be that. the next round of T-shirts. That's right. So, so wait. So I'm I'm reading I'm reading your book, and <laughs> here's something. Now, this is no judgment. I'm not saying anything about you now, then, nothing. Oh, Division one college football player who used to be called the Beast. <laughs> that's right and you're, and you're saying it like that because you're like you know dave i've seen you lately and you don't really look like a division one college quarterback no offense, but i don't think beast when i look at you you know what and i don't blame you i really don't blame you um it, it's actually uh yes I, I i was i was you know my nickname was the beast and uh um, I, I worked out all the time. I like even won bench pressing. Contests. By the way, looking at your shirts where they're hanging right now, I can see that's not exactly the case. No, no, <laughs> not, not yeah, exactly. I showed you guys, as you know, I showed you guys earlier the um, where I just have like shirts hanging. So that way, if I ever have to, you know, get ready for a podcast like this really quickly, I can just, you know, throw, throw the shirt on. And of course, they're hanging on the Peloton. That's that's the use <laughs> I have for the Peloton these days is, is a nice shirt hanging um, uh, rack. <laughs> hilarious we I've, I've had this question since we talked last time and i the on the cover yep. who's the guy who's the it's guy a there? model it's like a, it's like a, a a doctor model and i remember my, my wife and i when they sent us the image um we were like we love the concept but like shouldn't it probably be me like uh <laughs> they just they're like, no, you know, like it's this, this model's a good fit for it. Like kind of looks like you. And like the only people that'll notice it's not you are like your friends and family, which will make up like a very small fraction of people who look at the book cover. It's like, I know, but it just doesn't feel very authentic. Right. Don't you, you were agree? probably too buff at the time. <laughs> that was not That's the problem. It was. <laughs> Could you yeah. imagine on the cover of Brilliant Resilient if they had just put two actors there in place of you guys? I mean, that would be so painful. It would just wouldn't feel authentic. Wait, here's the funny part. From your presentations and all the stuff that you've done where you show like like you as the beast, you know, yeah. and then you with the bald head and that yeah. when they, that hilarious part where they thought that you were the pregnant wife, you know, yes. like all of those pictures. That's why I'm like, hmm. Is I know. I, I, I didn't think it was you though. Well, I mean, I-, I if you open up the middle of the book, you can show some of the viewers uh, because in the very center are the are oh, the pictures. The so that's that. Oh, there's the beast. Oh my god! For those that are listening, that. I mean, you've got to get the book and go in there into the. It's it's right around. It's page 150 where you see the picture of right. Dave the Beast. That's, that's hilarious. Right. Yeah, but there's just so many of your journey where you look so oh different with the illness. Mm. I know it's crazy. That's why I'm like, well, maybe that was him at one of his steroids or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, Kristen, I had someone come up to me. Uh, I, was, I guess it was before code, so about a year and a half ago. He said it was at, I was at, at Penn, and of course, you know, I work at Penn, and this person came up and said, "You look so much like this guy I knew in college, but um, but you're like, but he was he's like a lot bigger than you are." <laughs> and I was like, "Where'd you go to college?" He's like, "I went to Georgetown." I was like, "Yeah, that, that was that's me. I'm, I'm the same person. It's still me. I just it's look a little different. Aged a little bit, you know. Embrace the dad bod. Embrace the dad bod. Still me. You got You got to embrace the dad bod. So yeah, you got to. So there was another thing that that um, and I, t I tend to when I get into these books, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked from the first pages of, of your book in particular. But there was a there was a point at which you were talking about um, when your relationship went kind of south. Um, but 
you said, I knew, but I didn't want to hear it. And how many times do we know in our guts, we know things, but whether it's hope or ignorance or whatever it is, we just go, yeah, I'm not going to deal with that. And then we have to suffer the consequences. So what's the lesson in all that? That's exactly right. It's the, the lesson I think is that for me, um, as you know, I was this healthy quarterback, you know, uh, pre-med, everything was going well. Um, and then I, I nearly died five times from this awful disease. And um, the, the very first time I nearly died uh, at the University of Pennsylvania um, was when I realized that, that life just needs to be completely and 100% authentic. If you're thinking something, you should do it. If you're feeling something, you should express it. That life is, and I know this is such a cliche, but of course life is, is just too short to not be just totally authentically yourself. And so the lesson there with Caitlin was that as, as and so I was, I dated Caitlin before I became ill and, um, and, and she'd broken up with me. And, and as you mentioned, she said things to me to explain why she's breaking up with me that, as you said, I, I understood, but I didn't want to like, I just didn't, I didn't want to believe it. I, I knew where she was coming from, but I was just like, you know, putting it out of my head. And, and part of that was, was just not being totally like vulnerable and authentic and, and, um, and open to kind of all of the, you know, the challenges of life. And then, then going through my illness made me realize that, you know, life is too short. And, and the, the motto that I have that's related to it is, is think and do it. And that's the, you know, if, if, so often in life, we think of doing wonderful things for people that we love or expressing feelings in ways that we should. We feel a certain way, but we don't always express them. and We don't always tell the people around us how much they, they mean to us. And so um, think and do it uh, is, is, is kind of the lesson for me. I love it. I love it. Think and do it, people. If you're thinking about getting this book, get it. Do it. <laughs> do it. If for no reason other than to see the beast. <laughs> That's right. We're hooked on that now. So, you know, you when we talked before, um, you you had several several steps and several things that were important to you. And I want to talk about something that's important to us. And one of the things was humor, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that yeah. that um, that piece of it, and how uh, Kristen and I have both experienced that. People say to us all the time, "How are you two? You know, mm -hmm. laughing, standing, all that kind of stuff." And you're like, "Well, at some point." that's almost your last lifeline because yeah. you just go, if I don't laugh about this, I'm just going to crash and burn and never get up again. So how and did that work for you in your situation? I, I totally agree. And that's why I love spending time with the two of you, because I think that it's not, how did you go through all these challenges and you're still laughing? In my, in my experience, it's because I've been able to still laugh through the challenges. That's how I'm still standing. It, it's not like standing and laughing. It's standing because laughing. Um, and, and it's not that these aren't serious things and that all three of us haven't gone through serious challenges where we weren't laughing. I mean, we all, we all know there have been times where we were not laughing. But in the midst of those really tough times, I think it's so important to find humor and, and, and not so much humor on your own to kind of laugh by yourself. It's really about laughing with the people you love. I mean, I think back to Kristen mentioned um, some of the, the low points in my hospitalization when I was even, uh, I had such a big belly because my liver and my kidneys weren't working that that uh, a drunk guy on New Year's Eve uh, who had clearly been, been, been drinking way too much that evening, he thought that I was my dad's pregnant wife. He, he, he told us, you know, good luck to you and your wife. And um, that should have been a really low point but we just burst into laughter and and we laughed together and like 
you know, there I am, I've got an IV pole that's got chemotherapy dripping into me. I was wearing a mask because I had no immune system. This is before, before masks were cool, um, back in 2010. And my dad and I, there we are, we're like, like leaning on each other, laughing with one another, about to cry uh, and just connecting in this moment that like we both could have just like walked away, you know, crying from like embarrassment and just, you know, uh, being so sad, but it, it was just, we were crying with laughter and it was, and to laugh with the people you love. I don't think there's anything that, that at least for me, that gives me more joy than, than laughing with the people I love. I think that's the key. It's with someone else. Yes. It's that relational you know, laugh. I got to tell you this over the summer, uh, my dad actually had two strokes during COVID. And it was like this back to back thing. And as he's trying to recover, he gets hit again. And my mom, as you can imagine, was just at her, she was exhausted. No one could go see him. Like it was, it was a total nightmare. However, in the midst of all of it, she was really about to lose it. And I said to her the one day I go, mom, can I just share with you the group texts between me? I have four brothers and they are all ones crazier than the other. And I was reading some of these texts to her with my, you know, my oldest brother was going to swoop in and help her. He's the ADD guy, you know, like it was just hilarious with all of their different characteristics. And she, same thing. She just like cried yeah, laughing so hard. And it's like, it's almost like you have to do that. It's like the breakdown and laughing and then you can rise again with that new energy. But it's, as you said, it's, it's social. It's like, it's like connecting with the other person more. So, um, you know, if, if someone had just like called me my dad's pregnant wife and I'm like by myself and I'm like walking with my IV pole, maybe I would have like chuckled to myself, but, but it's, but it's about being with the, being with the people you love laughing with your mom, um, that I just think is so, so powerful. Yeah. It's so interesting to me how all of this um, it circles back again. We're talking about this kind of circle. Um, it circles back to the idea of hope. I mean, la- laughter encourages hope. Yes. You know, and and it's all a, a piece of that continuing to to hope, and then to act, and then to laugh when oh. when you're in the middle of all of that stuff. So, I want to encourage everybody to get this book. Here's what I here's here's the here's the line that I love from this. This is a story about dying from which I hope you can learn about living. What a beautiful, mm. what a beautiful summation of your book. And you know, we just absolutely adore you over here. And I know you kind of have to get back to the whole COVID curing thing, you know. Saving the world and all. Yeah, you I'll know. Switch back into my other outfit. That- <laughs> more comfortable outfit. The blue shirt has met its time amount now. <laughs> That's right. No, Mary Fran, I so appreciate you saying that. Um, I just, I love spending time with the two of you because I think that it, it is this sort of blend of being hopeful, taking action, laughing with the people you love, creating silver linings. These are things that you all, you, you just, or both of you just do so well. And it's, it's so infectious. And so I so appreciate that. And, and you saying that, um, of course, I wrote that line, but just hearing it um, gives me goosebumps. And, and, and in particular, it's because um, you know, I wrote that years ago and I didn't know if, if I was going to be here to see it published. I didn't know if this is going to be a story about dying from which you can learn about living that I would never read in print or that, you know, I wouldn't be here to, um, to talk with the two of you about. And so, um, you know, here I am, it's been a little bit over seven and a half years that I've been in remission, um, thanks to this treatment that hadn't been used before for Castleman's. And so, um, and as, as you guys both know, I've got a, a little three-year-old daughter who's running back and forth in the halls behind the office, which of course, 
you know, never thought that that would be possible. So um, thanks so much for helping to spread the word about, about our journey. It's a journey that um, I, I, ne I never thought that I would be here. And so I love the idea of other people learning from it. Awesome. Awesome. We well, can get the book at, at, uh, on Amazon. Is that the best Amazon, any, anywhere books are sold, your favorite local bookstore, it's definitely on Amazon. It was uh, so cool this past year, um, I guess May of last year, became a national bestseller um, when, when it got out to, to a large, large number of the populations in a bunch of languages now. So it's been really amazing. Oh, so cool. So cool. Look, we so had you here in person. Oh my gosh, how lucky are we? Oh my goodness, I'm the lucky one. <laughs> Good stuff. David, thank you so much for joining us. We just love catching up with you. We talk about you all of the time. Oh, and and I, and I mean that. And we quote you all of the time. So thank you for sharing your brilliance and resilience with us. Well, thanks for being so infectious and sharing it with me. I'm going to go into my day and ready to, ready to roll. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, David. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Go get Chasing My Cure wherever uh, books are sold. And if you want to see the rest of our recommended reading for a resilient summer, go to brilliantlyresilient.net and download the checklist. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.